Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Sleep Tight Relax on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you have a moment, please consider leaving a review. Your review might help introduce others to our podcast. Thank you. Our sleep story tonight continues with the boxcar children. Remember, Violet was sick at the end of last chapter, and Henry and Jess had tried to take care of her, but had to go for the doctor. The doctor somehow knew exactly where they lived and got Violet and the rest of them quickly to his clinic. Mrs. McAllister got the rest of the kids settled and they took care of Violet. In this chapter, a visitor comes to stay with the doctor. He is a friend of the doctor, but he is there for a totally different reason. Let's listen and see why he is visiting. Before we continue with our story, let's first make sure you are cozy and comfortable. The lights are off. You have silenced notifications. Find your comfortable place, your place to relax, or your favorite position in bed. Wiggle around a little bit and make yourself comfortable. This is your safe place, a place where you can relax and sleep, where you can feel warm and cozy. And you get to return to this place at the end of each day. Now, just take a moment to relax and be still. You have nothing left to do, nothing to worry about. Take a big stretch in bed, reaching as far as you can. Now close your eyes if you like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, Breathe all the way down into your belly. Take a deep breath in, collecting any worries or concerns, and breathe out, letting them all go. Breathe in. And breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. 
wiggle around a little bit again to help make things feel as they should. Take another deep breath and relax. Now, let's continue with Chapter 11 of The Boxcar Children. Mary appeared from the kitchen with hot water bottles and warm blankets, and Mrs. McAllister flew around, opening beds and bringing pillows. A trained nurse in a white dress appeared like magic from nowhere in particular. They all worked as best they could to get the sick child warmed up. Soon, the hot blankets, hot water, and steaming drinks began to take effect, and the shivering stopped. Mrs. McAllister left the sick room then to attend to the other children. Henry and Benny were left in a large spare room with a double bed. Jess was put in a little dressing room just off of Mrs. McAllister's own room. Upon receiving assurances that Violet was warm again, they went to sleep. But Violet was not out of danger, for she soon grew as hot as she had been cold, and the doctor never left her side until 10 o'clock the next morning. Violet, although very ill, did not have pneumonia. At about nine o'clock, the doctor had a visitor. It was a man who said he would wait. He did wait in the cool front parlor for over half an hour. Then Benny drifted in. Where is the doctor? asked the man sharply of Benny. He's upstairs, answered Benny readily. This means a lot of money to him if he only knew it, said the visitor impatiently. Oh, that wouldn't make any difference, Benny replied with great assurance as he started to go out again, but the man caught him. What do you mean by that? he asked curiously. What's he doing? He's taking care of my sister, Violet. She's sick. And you mean he wouldn't leave her even if I gave him a lot of money? Yes, that's it, said Benny politely. That's what I mean. The visitor seemed to restrain his impatience with a great effort. You see, I've lost a little boy somewhere, he said. The doctor knows where he is, I think. He would be about as old as you are. Well, if you don't find him, you can have me, observed Benny comfortedly. I like you. You do, said the man in surprise. It's because you've got such a nice soft suit on, explained Benny, stroking the man's suit. The gentleman laughed heartily. No, no, it's because... 
You have such a nice soft laugh, I guess, said Benny, changing his mind. The fact was that Benny himself did not know why he liked this stranger who was so gruff at times and so pleasant at others. He fully accepted the man's invitation and went over to see his dog's picture in his watch. The doctor found him here when he came down at 10 o'clock. Better go and find watch, Benny, suggested the doctor. Perhaps someday I'll come again, observed Benny to his new friend. I like your dog and I'm sorry he's gone. With that, he scampered off to find Watch. I expected you, Mr. Cordis, said the doctor, smiling, only not quite so soon. I came the moment I heard your name hinted at, said James Cordis. My chauffeur heard two workmen say that you knew where my four grandchildren were. That's all I waited to hear. Is it true? And where are they? That was one of them, said the doctor quietly. That was one of them, repeated the man. That beautiful little boy? Yes, he is beautiful, agreed Dr. McAllister. They all are. The only trouble is they're all frightened to think of you finding them. How do you know that, said Mr. Cordis sharply. They've changed their name. At least the older boy did. In public, too. What did he change it to? Dr. McAllister watched his visitor's face closely while he pronounced the name clearly, Henry James. A flood of recollections passed over the man's face, and he flushed deeply. That boy, he exclaimed. That wonderful running boy? Then events began to move along rapidly. They will never go with you, not in this world, declared Mrs. McAllister finally to the distracted grandfather, unless you give us time to break the news gradually, and above all, not when Violet is so ill. Couldn't I see them? begged the man almost like a boy. I I could pretend I was a friend of yours visiting you. I would promise not to tell them until you consented. Mm, that might do, said Dr. McAllister. If they grew to know you before they knew who you were, it would make things easier, certainly. So James Henry Cordes's chauffeur was sent for a gold monogrammed suitcase and his young man to wait upon him. And Mary held up her hands in despair when she learned for whom she must cook. Don't you worry, Mary, said Dr. McAllister. You could cook for the King of England. Just make one of your peach shortcakes for lunch and broil a chicken and I will answer for him. When lunchtime came, J.H. Cordes saw all his grandchildren, except Violet. 
He smiled with delight when he saw Jess coming down the stairs. Henry shook hands with him before he sat down, but he kept glancing at the stranger all through the meal. Where have I seen that man before, he thought. Mrs. McAllister had given the children's names clearly when she introduced them. Jess, Benny, and Henry. Henry James, she had added, but she had not added the man's name. She forgot, thought Jess, because she knows him so well, she thinks we do. But although nameless, the stranger caught their attention. He told them wonderful stories about a steel rail which held up an entire bridge until the people had time to get off. About his collie dog, about a cucumber in his garden growing inside of a glass bottle. Henry was interested. Benny was fascinated. I'd like to see that cucumber said Benny, pausing in the middle of his shortcake. Would you indeed, said Mr. Cordes, delighted. Someday, if Mrs. McAllister is willing, you and I will ride over to my garden and pick it. And we'll bring it to Violet, asked Benny, waiting breathlessly for an answer. We'll bring it to Violet, agreed Mr. Cordes, resuming his shortcake. After lunch, he went to sleep in the easy chair in the doctor's big office. That is, he threw his head back and shut his eyes and breathed very heavily. Jess went through the room once with ice water humming, for Violet was better. But the moment she saw the stranger asleep, she stopped her singing abruptly and tiptoed the rest of the way. Then... As suddenly, she turned around and came back and very carefully shoved a cushion under the man's feet. It was so gently done that even if he had been really asleep, he would never have woken up. As it was, he could not resist opening one eye the slightest crack to see the bright chestnut hair as it passed out of sight. No, he thought to himself, if she really didn't like me, she would never have done that. But the children were very far from not liking him. They liked him immensely. And when at last, one day, he was allowed to see Violet and came softly into her room with a nosegay of fragrant English double violets for her, they loved him. He won all their hearts when he patted her dark head and told her very simply that he was sorry she had been sick. It would be hard to say that J.H. Cordes ever had a favorite grandchild, but certainly his manner with Violet was very gentle. It was clear to everyone, even to the anxious nurse, that the stranger was not tiring the sick child. 
He told her in a pleasant, everyday voice about his garden and his greenhouses where the violets came from. About the old Swedish gardener who always said he must water the violets. I'd love to see him, said Violet earnestly. How long are you going to stay here? Benny piped up. It was not altogether a polite question, but it was clear to them all that Benny wanted him to stay. So they all laughed. As long as they'll let me, my boy, answered the stranger quietly. Then he left the sick room, for he knew he should not stay too long. But something in the man's last sentence rang in Henry's ears. He repeated it over and over in his mind, trying to remember where he had heard that same voice say, My boy. He made an excuse to work in the flower beds along the veranda in order to glance occasionally at the man's face as he sat under a tree reading. Often Henry thought he had caught hold of his missing memory. Then the man turned his head and he lost it again altogether. But suddenly it came to him as the man smiled over his book. It was the man who had shaken hands with him on the day of the race, and he had said, I like your spirit, my boy. That was it. Henry sat down out of sight and weeded geraniums for a few moments. It is a wonder he did not pull up geraniums instead of weeds. His mind was so far away. I didn't remember him at first because I was so jolly excited when he shook hands with me, decided Henry. Then he was apparently thunderstruck afresh. He sat with his weeder on his knee and his mouth open. He's the man who passed me the cup with the wings. He stole another look around the corner and this satisfied him. Same man exactly, he said. When he had finished the flower bed, he thought he heard the young doctor moving in the office. He stuck his head in the open door. The doctor sat at his desk, taking notes from a book. Do you know who presented the prizes on field day? asked Henry curiously, know what his name was. James Cordes of the Steel Mills, replied the doctor carelessly. J.H. Cordes, over in Greenfield. Dr. McAllister, to all appearances, returned to his notes. His eyes were lowered at any rate. But for Henry, the skies were reeling. He withdrew his head and sat still on that step. That delightful man? His grandfather? It was impossible. He was too young to begin with. Henry expected a white-haired gentleman with a cane and a terrible voice. But all the time, 
he knew in his heart that it was not only possible, but really true. He recalled the man's reply to Benny's direct question. He had said he was going to stay as long as they would let him. Could it be that the man knew them without introducing himself? A perfect torrent of thoughts assailed Henry as he sat crouched on the office steps. It was clear to him now that Mrs. McAllister had failed to mention his name on purpose. It was a wonder Benny hadn't asked what it was long before this. He noticed that the man was getting out of his chair under the trees. It's now or never, thought Henry. I've got to know. He walked eagerly after the man who was going toward the garden with his back turned. Henry easily caught up with him, breathing with difficulty. The man turned around. Are you James Henry Joyce of Greenfield? panted Henry. I am, my boy, returned the man with a long look. Does that question of yours mean that you know that I know that you are Henry James Cordes? Yes, said Henry simply. The man's eyes filled with tears and J.H. Cordes of the Steel Mills shook hands for the third time with his grandson, H.J. Cordes. And that is the end of this chapter. Sleep tight.
Thank you.